0: Hi, Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true, is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and, and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleases, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7. With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them. And give up, threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Here's verse 1, he tells children to obey your parents. Uh, he says that they should honour, children should honour and esteem their parents. Verse 4 tells us that fathers, uh, to not exasperate your children. Uh, and exasperate is just means to irritate intense, intensely. Verse 5, slaves are to respect their masters. I'll be talking about this whole slave thing coming up. Serve your masters as if serving Christ himself. Verse 8 tells us to do good as to receive a reward from Christ. And verse 9 is masters to respect slaves. So I'll just quickly uh, recap if you go back to when he was talking about husbands and wives. Uh, Paul was very clear on He He told husbands how they should treat the wives and wives how they treat the husbands. I think it started with the wife and then the husband. Um, then he, he starts here talking about parents and children, how we are to treat each other. And then slaves or, or, or uh, servants and masters, how they are to treat each other. And there are the three different relationships that we have. Is family, um, or wife-husband relationship, family relationships and work relationships. Okay. So Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives. This is the Amplified. For this is just and right. So obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives. We represent him here. And children who are believers are representing Christ. And so you should obey your parents as if they represent the Lord. Do you know what I mean? As the parents, the command. Now, not everything that parents will say is correct, as we know. You know, um, but uh, as children, especially children underage, should always respect their parents and obey them uh, to the most part. Amen. Is that a hard teaching? Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Colossians twenty three twenty says the same thing. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So Proverbs right back in the Old Testament, they were talking about keeping to the father's commands and not forsaking the mother's teaching because the mother will, will, uh, will spend more time with the kids by nature uh, and in that time, if the mother is diligent, she will teach the children the ways of God. So you're not to forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Again, telling children, listen to your, your father. And it's, it's even for my age as well, you know, especially if you've got a father who's in God. You know, if someone's, if your father believes in God and, and teaches the word of God to you, you should, should always honour that. Ephesians 6 2 to 3 says, Honor and esteem and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So, if you want to have a long life and if you want things to go well with you, now the Bible says that you're to honor and esteem your, and value as precious your father and your mother, and that this is a commandment of God. So, you do that, even if sometimes you don't feel it's right or it's just, but you honour them and you respect them and you listen to them and you obey them, all things will go well with you in life. That's a good trade-off, like even if you have to eat humble pie sometimes, you know what I mean, to honour them and to respect them, and you do that, you're blessing. You're going to have, receive a blessing from God as a result. Amen. Can you see what I'm sort of saying? Now, as hard as that can sound to some kids because they're thinking, my dad just screams at me and yells at me all the time and I shouldn't, why should I have to listen to that? Well, you shouldn't have to because the word also says that the fathers aren't to do that to their children. So you've got the counter to that. But if everyone lives and, and abides by those things that are taught in, in, through this and the husband does what the husband should do, the wife does what the wife should do, do you know what I mean? And it goes down the line all the way... We'll have incredible relationships in our family, our home life and our workplace. Unfortunately, not everyone will live in that. So make sure as far as it depends on you that you live to that. Do you know what I mean? And follow that as you're in your own self, even if those around you aren't doing it. Because at least you get the promise. You get the blessing from God. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honour your father and your mother. As the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has giving you. So this was where that, that Ephesians scripture was drawn from. Train up your children. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. When I read that, I feel conviction. So I always, um, you know, as a father... You know, when I read those things and when I read things about what a husband should be like, it always brings me to repentance. always brings me to God saying, Lord, forgive me. Please help me to be like this. Help me to apply this into my life. And we should live like that, all of us, as fathers. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. And train a child up in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So the best we can do is to train them up in the way they should go. And be... uh, you know, consider it towards them. Now, put up your hand if you feel in yourself that you fulfill everything that's written here. Do you? I can't put my hand up. So there shouldn't be really one of us that doesn't read these words and go, gee, I've got to take some of this to heart. But the fact is that each and every one of us needs instruction. Put up your hand if you don't need instruction or, or teaching. You know, every one of us needs to be told how we should be. And that's just the way we are. If we were just born knowing exactly how we should be, then we would be God. That would be Jesus, wouldn't it? Jesus is the only one that knew how he should be and he didn't need any teaching. He didn't need anyone to teach him a thing. How can you teach God anything? God created all that is. He had the capacity to create our, our bodies, the physical makeup, You know everything that uh, we are built from. He, he created the DNA code. Still, it's a wonder to the scientists. They're still finding incredible things out about the DNA. He created the thing. And god that's God. So how can we teach God anything? So the only man that was born that didn't need teaching was Jesus. Actually, at 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever, he was sitting in the temple teaching the, you know, the Jewish priests and the rabbis, and they were all like freaking out. How did this kid get this wisdom? And that's what they were saying. Where did he come from? He wasn't taught by anyone. Some people say that Jesus went off to... India or something to learn what he learned. Rubbish. Jesus was not, he stayed in his hometown and lived in his home village. And suddenly out of nowhere, he just came up and started teaching and, and no one, all the teachers of the law and the Pharisees couldn't work out. Where did this guy get this teaching from? Because it was such profound teaching. You imagine the power with which Jesus preached. You know, you, you think of the best preacher you've ever heard in your life and he would just pale. He would pale. You put him there and Jesus there, and everyone would just ignore that guy and just be looking at Jesus because the power coming out of God when he spoke was just unbelievable. And the masses were being healed as they came to him. We should all take something from this. We should all be corrected and, um, you know, set straight from these teachings. So, slaves, respect your masters. Ephesians 6 5, it says, servants, slaves. Be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them and eager concern to please them, so even to please them, in singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to Christ himself. You know, when I read this, I because people say, oh, you know, the Bible um, condoned you know uh, slavery and all this sort of stuff, and um, they use that as an argument against the Bible's morality and all this sort of stuff. But back in those days pretty well, you know, that was the way a work relationship was. It was masters and slaves. The way you'd get an employee was you'd buy them and own them. That's just the way it was. That's just the way the whole world functioned, pretty much. You know, there were people that were hired help, that come in for a day, but a lot of the time, you bought your people, and a lot of the time, those people, those slaves, actually were placing themselves up for sale. And even says in the Bible that if, you, if some of these people are like Israelites... Would when they were in incredible debt would sell themselves as a slave to pay their debts off, right? And then the Bible was clear that if you have slaves, uh, as Jewish masters should treat the slaves with utmost respect. And that's in the Old Testament as well. So you know they there was a higher level of um, respect coming from masters to slaves in the Jewish community than there was in other communities where they were treated harshly. Not to say that. All Jewish masters were respectful towards their slaves. Some probably weren't. But the Bible taught to be respectful. But I see now this slave master thing is employer and employee. Yeah. Yeah, we got a mortgage. We're slaves to our bank. We're slaves to our government. We're we're with taxes. We're slaves to our employer. You know, and if we don't want to be slaves to our employer, we get the sack. You know, so you lose your job. So you don't get that money. You have to go somewhere else and be slaves to someone else. So really, if you, whether you're paid, whatever you which way, the only difference is the employer usually doesn't come out and whip and whip you, which is what we have in our mind when we think of slaves, because all the movies have portrayed it that way. Uh, and also the way the black men were treated, um, you know, a few hundred years ago. That's the way we see it is slave ruthless masters treating their slaves badly and all this sort of stuff but it hasn't always it's not that that's the norm there was there was a time where it was in a certain part of the world but generally slave master relationship was just an employee employer except you're owned yeah hope i've made that clear so having respect for them and eager concern to please them and so really we should be when you if you're employed by an employer you should have an eager respect or have a respect for them and eager concern to please them in a singleness of motive with all your heart, with a singleness of motive, not an ulterior motive. You don't want to please your uh, employer for any other reason than to truly please him and bless him by your service. Do you know Christians by right, if they understand this, should be the best employees in the world? They should be. Unfortunately, I know different. Um, I had a, a... uh, an old friend of mine, a Christian man, uh, he got together with a couple of other Christian men. They started an employment agency. And the, the whole concept of the employment agency was to employ Christians who are unemployed, get them work. So the whole intention was, that was why they set up the business, was to get Christians employed, thinking Christians should make the best employees. He said he'd, he'd never dealt with such a terrible lot. He said it was shocking the complaints coming back from employers and how they're, um, you know, they're slack, they're, they're preaching at everybody all the time rather than working. And and he says, he says after a year, they had to completely reassess the whole arrangement of the firm and they had to, they just stopped. They got to a point where if they said they were Christian, they didn't want to help them get work. They got to that point. There was that many bad examples. And that shows that, church is not teaching their Christians to be good to their masters to treat them with respect to work you know you're not paid to preach you go to work you don't go there to preach to every single employee while you're working and cause big arguments and stuff you're paid to work work do it to the best of your ability and you know by doing that that'll show the owner of the business that you're a good solid Christian cuz he's my best employee Look at the way he works. He works, he works twice as hard as everybody else. Gets twice as much done. He's far more respectful to me. He he nearly takes his hat off every time I walk past. You know what I mean? He's the most respectful person in my company and he's and I know he's a Christian because he mentioned it once. Not he mentioned it every day at smoko, every day at lunch and made every single person in the place hate his guts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? People aren't paying you to preach. So Christians, get to work. You know, get to work. Be respectful. That's, that's my opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. And then when you do finally tell them about Jesus, the impact is far greater. Because they see it's coming from a sincere soul who's sincerely looking out for the best interests of others. You know, especially, you know, because they can see the way they, he respects the, the owner of the business. Amen. Mm-hmm. Colossians 3.22, slaves, again, in Colossians, it lines up with Ephesians, as I pointed out earlier. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, meaning don't just pretend, you know, say, you know, uh, you put on this big show and, you know, suck up to the boss sort of thing, but with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. Sincere. Be sincere. We don't do it just to, you know, um, suck up to the boss so that he gives us all these privileges and stuff. We do it because we sincerely want the best for our boss. Amen? And you know, you'll find even even bosses who are, you know, known to be quite, you know, fearful sort of bosses, you know, not the best blokes and stuff. If you show res- enough respect for them, they'll actually... I'll appreciate it. Yeah. You show just utmost respect. Always make an effort. Stick your hand out. How are you going? Honour him. Respect him at all times. Always have a smile for him. You know, when he's talking, be really, you know, um, listening, attentive, you know, putting your all in and and just... You you act like that with your boss. You will always have that job. You, You will not lose your job. You know, why would you sack someone who treats you so respectfully? Think about it. If you're the owner, you, you think about how you would like your employees to treat you. That's exactly how you you should treat your employer. And then you will never be without work. You'll always have a good resume. You'll always be treated respectfully. And do that also to everyone else in the workplace or your or your employee, fellow employees. Treat them with respect. Always have a word, you know, like, um, how you going? How have you been going? You know, I heard you had a... You know, a bit sick the other day. You're over it. You know, just show a little bit of interest in everybody, and and suddenly, you know, you'll be accepted among them all. Yeah. So you don't want to get the word. Yeah, put your head down and then become this snob. You know, that just only smiles at the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be a, you know, um, what's the word? I You gotta be genuine. People, people. You've got to be genuine, and look—you don't have to be a, a hugely uh, out there sort of person, as in a people person that just can just interrelate with everyone. Just simply show interest, show interest to everyone that you're with, and it's not hard to do. One Timothy six one: All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. All are under yoke as slaves and regard their masters as worthy of honour. Whoever they are, whatever they do, your bosses are worthy of honour. And keep that in mind. And even if you don't agree with everything they do, just like you might not agree with everything your parents do or whatever, um, show them honour and respect. So it's nearly like the way you should treat your parents is the way you should treat your boss. And you do that so that the name of God... And our doctrine, our teaching, doesn't get spoken against. You know, last thing I want to know is that people are blaspheming God because of the way we conduct ourselves. Well that employment agency? Yeah, some of those yeah. Employers haven't got the best picture of Christianity. No, no. All they got these rough well, these three guys are born-again believers, you know, real hard-working men too that started this company, and they said they just... Never again, after one year of dealing with Christians, they were the worst. But he said, as soon as they allowed, they got secular people into the employment agency, the problem stopped. Just because their attitude was, I'm going to be a good (laughs) worker, you know, I'm there to work, I'm there to do the best I can for the company. You know, keep that as your attitude, man, and man, you can't help but do really, really well. No matter where you work, Titus 2 9 or 10 says, Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters, bond slaves or slaves, uh, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. And pilfering, I looked up the word pilfering, it it's typically means to steal things of little value. So you leave work and you just, you know, stick a pen in your pocket or, you know what I mean? Little things well, oh, that that compass looks pretty good. I haven't got a compass at home. I'll take that. Yeah, taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I know guys that that brag about how much they rip off their from their companies. How many, how many things they steal? Or taking five minutes from the day. Yeah. To have a phone call. Yeah, or play a game or watch things that they shouldn't be watching on on the internet. Or yeah, just yeah, pilfering time. Yeah, man. Christians should be really conscious of this. Just give 100% of yourself for the time that you paid for and again if you do that consistently your workload will be double what everyone else's is and it will be recognized the boss will eventually see it so to be well pleasing meaning please people be ple- you know please everybody try not to walk in the work with a bad attitude walk in there like You know, as you're driving there, I don't feel very good today and just go in there. You know, if you don't feel very good, pull over on the side of the road and start praying. Because as a Christian, we've got no right to feel like that. God's We're in God's hands now. You know, God's on us. And if we go in with a bad attitude, what does that represent? How does that represent God? We've got to come in, go into work and just with a smile on our face. Or at least pleasing, to be pleasing and, and responsive to everybody there. Not argumentative. Now, that's some Christians and I, I, you know, we all have that problem. We can be argumentative. We've got to try to curb that to zero if possible. But showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine. I like that, adorn it. Adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in every respect. So that when people think about you and they know you're Christian, all they can say is, you know, I know there's a lot of shonky Christians out there, but this guy, he's, he's unreal. He's, he's a man of God, you know. I know he is. He's the best worker in the company. He's the most respectful of everybody in the company. Um, he never, he, he it's not that he never, but he never preaches to me while we're working. But when I've asked him about his faith, he's just got a few real powerful words and that always impacted me. You know, he's always got some good advice for me. He never swears. He doesn't go out on a Thursday night with the boys and get drunk, you know. He's a man of God, you know, and people respect that. Like whether they, like at first when you, they say, come down to the pub with us and you say, sorry, mate, don't drink or I don't go there, you know, I don't do that sort of stuff. The first thing they'll do is they'll, what's wrong with you, mate? You know, that's the Aussie, <laughs> Aussie response. But, you know, with time and they see the completeness of your character forming and, and you know, shining, they can't help but respect it. Amen and consistency is the key there too, not just do it for one week or two weeks. That's the rest of your life. That's how you are the rest of your life. You know, and it's the same not just for men, for women, in every situation. You be like that, you'll never be without work. You'll always have a job and respect. Ephesians 6, 6 to 7, not in the way of eye service. This is carrying on from where I'll just read back on where that started. 6, 5, seven, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them, eager to concern, and eager concern to please them, in singleness of motive with all your heart, and not in the way of eye service, as if they were watching you. So you don't just do good when the boss is walking past and then as soon as he's gone, hey, hey, mate, did you hear this one? You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's when <laughs> you've got to do it as if Christ's eye is on you at all times. Yeah you know and his eye is on us at all times so when when they're not there you you go just as hard it's got nothing to do with whether the boss there or not the boss you should never have to be concerned whether the boss is going to just say you're working in a shopping mall or uh, sorry a uh, supermarket or something you should never be concerned that the boss is about to walk past and you're going to be busted i remember when i was like um, cuz i didn't turn christian till 21 but i remember when i was 14 i was working in a supermarket and we're always, oh, is he coming yet? No, he's not coming. You know, and we're just playing up and stuff. As soon as the boss walks down the aisle, suddenly we're all stacking the shelves and everything's perfect. You know, we've got to be really, uh, you know, conscious that God's watching us at all times. And if we keep that as the thing, so our work is consistent, we are constantly doing the job, whether the boss is there or not. It shouldn't even disturb you because you're just you're not doing it just when he's there. You're doing it at all times, you know. Yep, I used to. Uh, I got to the point where, at least back at when I was fourteen, working in the supermarket, I realised that yeah, it's workload that the bosses want to see. If you if you get a lot of work done, you know, you'd make them happy. So I always wanted to just pack my shelves and get it all done and be the first aisle oh, finished. You know what I mean? Even though they'd clock me off and I'd lose time for it, but you know what I mean. I wanted to. I wanted to see that my aisle was the best done, fastest done sort of thing. Um, take pride in your work too. A- absolutely, not just take rush pride. it. And, yeah, do it right, do it well. So, And ask questions, mm. you know, not too many. Mm. Bosses, There's a fine line, bosses hate it when you ask too many questions, but bosses also don't like it when you don't ask the right question about a certain job and you go ahead and stuff that job up. And you, you're there, what, I don't know what to do here, I'm not going to bother the boss. And you just do it and you stuff it up. So always ask the right questions and the right amount of questions. So things you don't need to ask, don't ask them. Because sometimes you ask questions and you know the answer. And the boss doesn't like from those. But ask, ask the key questions. So back at Ephesians 6, 6 to 7. So I'll just read that again. Not in the way of eye service, as if they were watching you, and only to please men. Uh, but as servants of slaves of Christ, doing the will of God. See how we're called slaves of Christ? And if you want to put it in modern terms, employees of Christ, doing the will of God heartily with your whole soul. So do your work heartily with your whole soul, everything within you. Be the best, rendering service readily with goodwill. You know what goodwill is? Good intentions. Good intentions. Well, a company. I remember when I studied accounting, Matthew. Oh, I was say, it's accounting. Yeah. Is Goodwill is what the business builds up over time, and goodwill with customers. And that goodwill is worth stuff, worth money. So when you sell a company, um, the, the goodwill is what a lot of the time you sell. Yeah, yeah. is that right? Well, if you if, say the company has 100 bucks worth of assets, and yeah. you pay 150 bucks for the company, yeah. you pay 50 bucks worth, worth of goodwill. Yeah. yeah, it's because of the company's reputation. Yeah. So you buy a reputation. Like when someone buys a McDonald's, um, they 're paying for the name you know, and they get the lease they get all the uh, you know whatever goes with the package when you buy the franchise but you 're paying to be a mcdonald 's because it 's got the name, and that 's the goodwill of that name you 're guaranteed bad hamburgers well that's that 's the same sort of thing it 's goodwill that you build up, and that 's what I was trying to get to is is um and I'm doing this on the fly, but you know, just uh, if you're working in a company and you're getting paid for a service, and you keep on outperforming and doing the best and, and being the best there, you're build, building up a goodwill, and eventually that becomes indispensable. You, the company doesn't want to lose you. You're an asset. You're, so you're a person in the and company. You're probably being yeah. Paid, I suppose,
1: and yeah.
0: You're All right. So rendering service readily uh, with goodwill. Render it with goodwill. Render your uh, service to your boss with that type of goodwill we were just talking about, as to the Lord and not to men. So you're doing it. Everything is done in the name of the Lord. So uh, that's how you should treat your employers, um, as you would treat them as you would treat Jesus. So man, imagine how good you could treat your employers if you treat them as you should treat Jesus. You know, and like. Uh, also, in, along with that same line, is treat your fellow employees as you would treat Jesus. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But even better, do unto others as you would have them as you would do to the Lord. All right, so work as if working for the Lord. Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that for whatever good anyone does, he will receive his, his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. So you've got to know that whatever good you do, that you will receive your reward from the Lord. And that means so when you're, when you 're out there and're the, the better you treat people is the greater the reward you 're going to receive um, and it really that 's to me is a real motivation that you 're building treasures in the kingdom by doing good unto others, but you 're not doing that to receive salvation, are you and you 're not doing that so you can work off sin debt that 's all done Jesus has worked off our sin debt he did it on the cross once and for all. You know, that salvation does not come from doing these good things because if it was based on that, no one would get into heaven because no one can consistently do good things. But as a Christian, following the Spirit uh, and living to please uh, God, not men, you know, you have a good chance of being like that consistently. And always check yourself if you don't feel like being like that because a lot of the time I know how it feels. I'm a human too. I can get up and some, some days I get up and I just don't feel like being nice. You know, but you, you know those days, you just feel down, you know, that's where you've got to be wise enough, quick enough in the spirit to go, okay, what's going on in me? What's affecting me now? You know, it could just bad attitude. It could be a spirit, could be any, a number of things. You know, you could have let bitterness grow in your heart, a root of bitterness. You know, we've got to, we've got to deal with it straight away. And we do that through prayer. And he says, oh, just back on that, he says whether he is slave or free. So um, whether you're a master or a slave, God shows no partiality in that area. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. What's, what's the inheritance? inheritance? Our godly inheritance. Uh, Jesus Christ is our inheritance, isn't he? Um, Uh, It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So masters, respect your slaves. Ephesians 6, 9, you you masters, act on the same principle towards them and give up threatening and using violent and abusive words. See, Paul Paul knows how how some slave owners can treat their slaves. Give up. As Christians, give up threatening and using violent and abusive words. If you're a Christian employer, don't treat, your employees badly and harshly. Don't abuse them. Don't threaten them. Don't be violent with them. Don't abuse them with, uh, with swearing and cursing because you've got to know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is, he, there is no respecter of person, no partiality with him. He doesn't care whether you're the, you're the manager or you're the lowest person in the whole organisation. He's going to show no partiality to that. And that's, that's a frightening thing. Because that means, you know, the Queen of England <laughs> or Obama and that are not going to be shown any special attention because of their position. No different to uh, someone that's on the street living in the gutter. He's no respecter of persons, God. He created them all. Just because one claims to be greater than another doesn't mean that that greater one who claims that greatness is going to get in the heaven and the one who's less is not. Because more than likely a lot of the time, the kingdom of God is for the poor and the destitute. You know, and, they, and Jesus says it's hard for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in the kingdom of God. Why? Because of the pride that is built up in their lives. That they don't need God. They're independent. They're self-sufficient. They don't need God you know a rich man will get in the heaven if 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 th- that rich man allows the holy spirit to dismantle their pride to the point where it could fit through the eye of a needle and if if all that he is is wrecked for god and he realizes his sinful condition then he's he's been broken down hasn't he you can thread him through the eye of a needle and god's got him then Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I like that. We're all one. No respecter of persons. Slaves to God. Romans 6.22, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God... You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. We have been freed from sin. We were once slaves to sin. Now we are slaves to righteousness or we are slaves to God, enslaved to him. And we derive our benefit and We result, which results in sanctification and holiness. Why does it result in holiness? Because because we're slaves to God, we're slaves to righteousness, and if we're slaves to righteousness, we walk in righteousness all the time, doing good unto others all the time, living as we've talked, this whole sermon's been about. That results in sanctification. That is what holiness is, living and acting and being in this very way. And the outcome of that is eternal life. Not that they, those things gives you eternal life. That is the outcome of following Christ and being transformed, producing fruit in keeping with repentance. The fruit is these good works that you do. They don't save you, but that's the result. And you can judge a man by his fruit. The Bible tells us that we can. Amen. Deuteronomy 10.17 For the Lord your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality and he doesn't take a bribe. Could you imagine how many rich men on judgment day will try to bribe God? (laughs) What? Imagine that. I'll give you every, you know, I've got $36 billion. I'll give you it all. (laughs) Just give me eternal life. You go, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't care for that. All I wanted was your love, your heart, your commitment to me back on earth. Not now that you realize I am true, that evolution's a lie. You know, people just got to humble themselves. Evolution is just a convenient way of thinking while you're a sinner. You're going to say something, Matt? I was going to say, what's God going to spend 36 billion on? (laughs) When we created everything that is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the conclusion of the matter is Paul gives the most balanced teaching upon husbands and wives. You've heard that sermon a few weeks ago. Parents and children, which we did today, and also masters and slaves. And they're, they're three of the biggest relationship factors in a man's life. You know what I mean? And when it comes to parents and children wives and husbands, it's sort of in a, in many respects you relationship with our friends should be along those lines as well, you know. So when we consider his godly advice, we realise that if we follow the teachings he gives as it relates to us. So as far as it goes with us, that our marriages, our family life, our work situation will improve dramatically. So we've got to follow those, this advice and then we'll see the fruits of following that advice. Do you know what I mean? In all of those situations. And as, as far as it depends on us, we should adhere to these teachings in our homes and lives. Now, just say you're in a, in a situation at home where you're the only one Adhering to this. Everyone else has just got no idea about it. Don't let that change the fact that you adhere to it. You're going to be in a work situation. You might be predominantly among unbelievers, as, as you would. that would be the case with you, Nick. Doesn't mean you change adhering to that and you adhere to their way of reasoning. Live by these rules. Live by these godly rules. Apply them into your work situation. Apply them into your home life with your wife and also with your family and your children. And you will definitely see an improvement. But don't just do it for a week or two while it's fresh on your mind. Let this be the way you outwork your whole life. Amen? All right, so let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We we thank you for the sermon and I pray that uh, you help all of us to sort of uh, just do the necessary adjustments to make this, uh, these uh, realities that we're talking about, these, uh, this godly advice, a reality in our life mm-hmm. so that we walk it out and we become the best employees to our uh, bosses, uh, the best husbands and the best wives to our partners and the best parents to our children and the best children to our parents, that uh, we apply all these principles into our lives and work it out for the rest of our life. And so, Lord, give us the power to do that. Um, we pray for a, a real, um, just an anointing to achieve it because, Lord, some of these things sound tough and hard to uh, remember even, but let it just become our nature. Let it uh, be applied into us by the Spirit so that it will be our nature. It will be just the way that we function, that we don't have to try to be like this, but we just will be like this. So, give us the Spirit now uh, to carry it out and bless the rest of this week. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series Uncovering Religion, Truth, Judgment, and Eternity, Apologetics 101, Critical Doctrine, and End Times. Feel free to check them out.